All right, here we are. The Yanks dropped two out of three uh, in their first full series without Aaron Judge. That's a shocker. Um, but kind of like not, and we'll talk about what I mean by that in this episode. Um, well, that didn't really make sense. I, you know, that's a shocker was being sarcastic, but it's kind of like, we're going to talk about the expectations without Aaron Judge and why I think people need to um, stop acting like Aaron Judge is the whole team, which it's a narrative that really has annoyed me in the past. Um, I, I, there's, there's a part of it that makes a lot of sense, but there's a part of it where it's like, well, we do have this guy, this guy, this guy, and they should be able to do this, but we'll get into all that. Yanks. White Sox, episode 531 of the podcast here on BD4. We'll talk about it. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the pod. I just spit. Intro. Welcome to BD4, an RJ Carbone podcast. BD4, where there is no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. BD4 is a five-star show on Apple Podcasts, also available in video format on YouTube and Spotify. So thanks for stopping by, and we hope you enjoy the show. Champion of the world, turning, looking, see ya! Anthony for three, bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Time! Timothy creates... And showing some dexterity as well with the left hand. Yankees! (laughs) Welcome to the show. Episode 531 of the podcast. I'm your host, RJ. You're listening to BD4. Maybe you're watching BD4. Um, Yeah, we're not going to waste time. The Yanks dropped two out of three against the White Sox this week. Um... And, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> um, so we're going to dive right into the series recap. Um, I'm going to try to get this episode in before tonight. And by tonight, I mean Friday, June 9th, when they play Boston later tonight. Um, I'm recording the morning of Friday, June 9th. So hopefully I can drop this episode um, before noon. Um, with all the editing and, you know, publishing I have to do afterwards, so we'll see. Um, let's get right into the series recap after that. We'll give some thoughts, we'll hand out our, uh, tip of the caps, and that'll be that. <clears throat> so the first game of this White Sox series at Yankee Stadium went to the crappy White Sox. Um, 3-2, to two, the Yankees lost. Uh, it was Clark Schmidt going up against, um... Somebody who I feel like is always in trade conversation, Lucas Giolito. As I drink my coffee in the mic, give you some ASMR there. Uh, The Yankees did absolutely nothing offensively in this game. Uh, They were no hit by Giolito for six innings. Um, In the third and in the fifth, Schmidt was bit by some bum for a home run twice in this game. Forget the guy's name. Uh, but that guy made it 3 nothing White Sox after 5. Donaldson also made a fantastic play at third base in the 5th inning, going to his right and making a phenomenal throw across his body to get the out at first. No hop. Um, 
And then Giolito came out of the game because of his pitch count. So after six no-hit innings, two outs into the seventh, the Yanks finally put something together against Joe Kelly. He issues a walk to Calhoun. And then you get the bloop double from IKF uh, into left center field for the Yankees' first hit. And that also led to their first run of the game. That made it 3-1 to one Chicago. Um, and the next at-bat, Jose Trevino singled, but IKF could not get home on the play. And then with Jake Bowers up, you have the tough call by a home plate umpire. I forget who it was, but the home plate umpire made a terrible call on an outside pitch. Bowers could have ended up walking on the play, but because of the call, changes the momentum of the game, really, and he ends up grounding out to end the inning. And that was really the game right there. <clears throat> Bowers could not get it done. Um, <clears throat> Donaldson did go deep in the ninth inning off of Liam Hendricks to make it 3-2, uh, but that was it, and the Yankees would fall. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice here. They'd fall to the shitty White Sox, three to two. Um, yeah, the bats. I mean, the guys, the Yankees are going to need to step up this month without Judge. Well, they combined to do all but a walk, all but an Anthony Rizzo walk, uh, and that was it. They were hitless. Uh, the only offense came off of the fake double from IKF, and then again the home run off the bat of Donaldson. Um, so, at least they pitched well. Uh, uh, Clark Clark Schmidt at least pitched well, I should say. Um, let me pull up my notes here. Here he is. Six innings, three runs, six hits, one strikeout, uh, two home runs, and the loss for Schmidt. But, yeah, he was bit by Zavala, whatever the fuck his name is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I know he... He, he pitched well, and I know the Yankees lost this game <clears throat> because of their feeble offense. They couldn't muster more than three hits. Um, but that second home run, you just can't allow that to happen, man. Like, <clears throat> there's something beyond the stats there you don't see. Whereas a pitcher, at times, you have to kind of nut up and be there for your team when, when they have nothing that night. So to just completely... Put the game to bed there. And that's what he did. Let's be honest. That home run just deflated everything. It really, really, really hurt the Yankees. Um, if it remained one nothing, there is no doubt in my mind that the Yankees win that game. Um, it felt like they were going to win. Uh, and the frustrating part was he got two quick outs in the inning before Clark Schmidt imploded. So, I'm sorry. There's something to pitching where you just cannot let certain things happen regardless of the numbers. And he did. Um... But, again, he, he has been good. <clears throat> um, I no longer dread Clark Schmidt's starts. Um, I guess it depends who we're facing. But the kid has pitched well. I, I will give him credit. Um, three runs or less now allowed in six of his last seven starts. So that's for May on. Uh, just keeping the Yankees in games and giving the offense a chance. You know, you take away that blow-up start. <clears throat> against the Rays in the middle of that. And he's been pretty automatic for you. Uh, four and a third innings, no runs, no earned runs, I should say, against the Indians. Um, six innings, two runs against Oakland. 
four and two-thirds innings, seven runs against Tampa, but five innings, two runs against Cincy, five innings, one run against Baltimore. <clears throat> God damn. <clears throat> Something going on here. Maybe it's the smoke. Uh, five and two-thirds, no runs against Seattle, and then this game, six innings, three runs against Chicago. So, listen, I'm not here to nitpick and say, well, Clark Schmidt needs to do this against better teams because, no, I don't expect this guy to be part of the rotation long-term this year, but... Um, so I just want him to get the job done whenever he's out there. I'm not looking for impressiveness with Clark Schmidt. I'm looking for somebody who keeps the Yankees in the game and allows them to win, gives them a chance to win when he's out there, regardless of who they're facing. Because at the end of the day, the standings go by wins and losses and not by credibility of you know who you're playing against. So for Clark Schmidt, a number five starter, who's not expected to be a big part of this team, who wasn't expected to be a big part of this team, I should say. Um, yeah, he's been getting it done for the last month plus. So, good for him. Um, and then we get to the second game of the series where the Yankees lost 6-5. Um, to five. This was the first game, obviously, of the doubleheader because, you know, the... the uh, I guess the Canadian apocalypse pushed this game back to yesterday at 4 p.m. in the first of the twin bill. Um, that shit was weird. I mean, New York City was orange. Yankee Stadium, they showed that photo. Orange. Um, <clears throat> here in Jersey, wasn't as bad. Um, not where I lived, but it was definitely bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was the Yankees' first game of the doubleheader. Second game of the series, they lose 6-5. Severino going up against former Yankee legend Lance Lynn. Um, early on, the uh, Jake Berger home run to make it 2-0 Chicago. Then you had Higashioka and Calhoun tie the game at 2. Uh, Luis Robert then puts the Sox ahead 3-2. Moncada then goes deep to make it 4-2 off of Seve. Um, but Calhoun from the leadoff spot Again comes through and ties the game 4-4 four four with the big home run. Then Oswaldo Cabrera gives the Yankees the lead after that with a ground ball single through the right side of the infield. It's 5-4 Yankees. And then, of course, can't have good things. So Michael King this time implodes. Um, a rare home run allowed by King when he feeds Eloy Jimenez a first pitch sinker and he gets taken deep. And so the Yankees lose this 6-5. to five. Um, And Severino was rocked. You know, I there's no other way to put it. Um, five innings, four runs, three home runs. So that's now six home runs in his last two starts, where he's allowed 11 runs in nine innings. It's It was very similar to the L.A. Dodgers start. Consistent hard contact. Just hard hit balls. Um, and it's concerning to me when I see that. Uh, you also got to take, take into account that his velocity is down. It was around 95-ish last night. Um, his location is off. And when you get those two things, it's... Sometimes that can be a sign of an injury. And, I mean, would we really be shocked here if Luis Severino had something going on? Uh, if, if we were to hear something within the next day or two, 
Severino headed to the DL and with whatever inflammation or something, I wouldn't be too shocked um, because he really, really, really looks bad in his last two starts, which is crazy because it's the complete opposite of how well he looked in his pre- in his previous two starts before that, his first two starts. But, I mean, he didn't look good. His changeup, his slider, they had no bite to it. The fastball was straight. No life. Right down the plate. I mean, you, you can't be throwing 95 down the middle of the plate in the big leagues and expect to get away with that. Um, I think I, I, saw, I heard a stat. He threw the fastball 18 times, and the only swing and miss he got on it was a foul tip. Uh, and all three home runs came off the fastball. Maybe he's not hurt. Maybe he's tipping his pitches. Maybe it's just a dead arm period. He had no spring training, remember. Um, but it's concerning because he's important to this rotation now. You know, with Nestor Cortez awful and also injured now, you really have Cole. And then Domingo has been the the number two pitcher for the Yankees. And that's just not sustainable. They need Severino to be that guy because that's the expectation for him. Um, so the Yankees also had a chance to do some legitimate damage in this game. And honestly, they could have won the game in the bottom of the ninth. Donaldson pinch hits and he draws the walk. Volpe pinch runs for him, but he doesn't steal. However, IKF reaches safely on an infield hit. So you had first and second, I think it was, with no outs for Torres. Um, and Torres does not bunt. Um, that's a perfect spot to bunt, but he doesn't bunt because the Yankees are way too new school and they don't bunt. And so what happens? Well, Glaber Torres ends up trying to hit a home run. He just misses it. But in the very next at bat, Anthony Rizzo ends the game by grounding into a very feeble double play right there and then. And that was it. The Yankees lose. That was a perfect chance for those guys to step up. Rizzo and Torres. They're going to need to step up without Judge Stanton, who didn't play in game two of the doubleheader. Um, They didn't step up. So, that happened. And the Yankees lose. uh, Six to five. Um... And the third game of the series, second of the doubleheader, the Yankees would win 3-0. So that was a positive. They salvaged the series and didn't get swept. Bottom of the fourth, the Yankees um, on the board after the Calhoun double and the Glaber Torres home run. And then bottom of the fifth, Billy McKinney back with the Yankees now. Um, he hits the home run to make it 3-zip. Vasquez ends up going five and two-thirds innings, no runs, and then the pen shuts it down from there. I think it was Marinaccio and Holmes. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to talk about Randy Vasquez because he's looked pretty good. So we'll talk Randy Vasquez and even hand him our tip of the cap when we return from break. Stay with us. Be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube... Be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. All right. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to episode 531 of the podcast. Randy Vasquez is getting my tip of the cap 
among the among the Yankees starting pitchers this series. Against the White Sox yesterday, Randy Vasquez, five and two-thirds innings, no runs, three strikeouts, a walk, two hits, two singles, 86 pitches, and the win. Um, hey, uh, it, it was interesting because you know, I believe in his first start with the Yankees, we saw the curveball, which the curveball is his pitch, usually. It's supposed to be the best curveball in the Yankees' farm. Um but in this game, it was mainly fastball, cutter, slider, changeup. And it worked. Uh, he was pitching to contact, but you know he was pinpoint with location, hitting the corners with the four-seamer, and then he was playing the sinker off of that four-seamer. Uh, added in the, the cut fastball a little bit. He looked good. I like him. I like his stuff. He throws pretty hard. He's got some decent movement. Um, I, I think it plays well. And I want to see more of Randy Vasquez. I like him more than Johnny Brito. I wasn't impressed with Johnny Brito's stuff. He didn't have a deep arsenal. Vasquez seems to have a deeper arsenal. Um, so we'll see. We'll probably see him again um, a few weeks because I think the next turn through the order, the Yankees might need only four pitchers because they're going to have at least, I think they have two days off coming up. Um, so he'll be called up soon. Um it's definitely not the end of Randy Vasquez. Um, also, who pitched in the third game, Ron Marinaccio. And I'm handing Ron Marinaccio our tip of the cap this series. Um, Yeah, I almost gave it to Tommy Canley, but Ron Marinaccio, I mean, he looked so filthy last night. I had to give it to him. He's been up and down this year. He's had some problems, um, but he needed one. He needed that for, for confidence alone, uh, and he definitely looked confident. I mean, he was throwing change-ups on 3-2 counts and generating some really, really ugly swing and misses with it, too. Um, Yanks used him for 31 pitches, I think it was, so he'll probably be out for the next two days, maybe pitch Sunday night. But Ron Marinaccio, two and a third innings, four strikeouts, no runs, no hits on, um, on Thursday night. So Ron looked great. And, uh, yeah, he edges out Kane Lee for the tip of the cap. That's his fourth tip of the cap this season. So, that's pretty cool. And then among the position players, I'm going to Willie Calhoun. Listen, Willie Calhoun keeps hitting, man. Against the White Sox this series, he has three hits, 273 average, a double, a homer, three RBIs, a walk, three runs, seven total bases, which gave him a 970 OPS for the three games. Um, he's been hitting. And you got to give the guy credit. He's up to a 719 OPS with the Yankees this year. He's got 15 RBIs, 13 walks, and 16 Ks. Love that. Making a lot of contact and driving in runs when he gets the opportunity to play. Um, he was the leadoff hitter yesterday. I don't know that I like that, to be honest with you. But, yeah, he does make contact, so you give him that. Um, but, you know, he's a guy probably not going to be around a while. So when it comes to Willie Calhoun, just give us what you can while you're here, right? And he's doing a nice job of that. Um, and so those are the tip of the cap awards we're handing out this episode. When we return, we're going to talk about this team and what to expect in this upcoming month, maybe month and a half. Hopefully that's all without Aaron Judge coming up. So let's talk about that as soon as we get back from break. Stay with us. Be right there. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. 
We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. All right. You are listening to episode 531 of BD4. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I appreciate it. So, obviously, the Yankees are without Aaron Judge for a while. I would say it's going to be at least a month. Um, I keep hearing uh, the four to six weeks timeline. So we'll stick with that for now because the Yankees certainly don't want to give us a timeline. Um, you know, Boom was asked yesterday about the timeline and he kind of got triggered by it. Amazing. I mean, yeah, your fan base, the media, they want to know when the you know first, second, third best player in baseball, wherever you want to put them, is going to come back. Like You shouldn't be getting upset about that. I get it. You've probably been getting hammered with those questions, but come on, dude. Um, but yeah, he's out a while. Um, he's got a bad toe. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Like, listen, I, I, I watch a lot of MMA and maybe that's my fault, but like some of those guys, I feel like <laughs> I digress. I, 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 some of those guys, I feel like they would just laugh at this shit. <laughs> I don't know, man. I remember you know, I used to be a big NFL fan. Ahmad Bradshaw, in the 2009 season, played an entire year on a broken foot. If you don't know who that is, he was the running back for the New York Giants. The running back. you got to run on your feet. Not a toe, not a contused toe, a broken foot running around while 280-pound linebackers come for him. No further comment. I'm sorry. Baseball players, somebody, somebody, I can't. listen, 680, uh, 68, 280 pounds, I get it. Judge, standing on that thing. You can't DH at the very least four to six weeks if that's real. Like, come on. I'm sorry. I, I just, I can't get behind. I know you bang into a concrete wall. Like, dude, I don't know. I It's weird to me. I'm not making fun of him. I'm just laughing because I'm trying to cope here, but it's weird to me. Um, I will say this once more, though. Um, enough with the built-in excuses for the Yankees. It's kind of pathetic. Like, the lineup, judge, no judge, Bader, no Bader. They may not have a ton of depth now that all these injuries are happening, but it's but the lineup, they still have three guys who have the ability to put up four runs in a game just themselves. Like, there's zero reason Stanton, Torres, and Rizzo shouldn't be able to hold it down for a month and then some. You've got those three guys, plus Cole, plus the best bullpen in baseball, plus the schedule ahead being a complete cakewalk. They need to do their job still. And we got to stop making excuses for them. And we can't be setting the bar low. And, and you know, be like, oh, well, if we could just stay above water and play 500. That's not going to do it this time. Like, I know it's Judge. And I saw the graphic on, yes, the Yankees in games with Judge. Five runs a night without Judge in 13 games a couple nights ago. This was, they were like three and a half a game. I saw that and I'm like, yeah, I get it. But first off, that's a very tiny sample. 13 games is puny. Um, and secondly, in how many of those games did the Yankees have all of Stanton, Torres, and Rizzo in? 
I think given the larger sample size, there should still be zero excuse for this lineup to not produce four to five runs a night minimum. Um, again, not because there's a lot of names, but the three names that are in there have ability to really do damage. They were averaging about six runs a game in May. I think they can do four, five in June without Aaron. I still believe that's in there. If anyone else important goes down, different story. But this team should not suddenly become a mediocre club without one guy. And we sit here and be like, yeah, that's okay. That's honestly a miracle. Like, that's the Michael K narrative a lot of times. Well, it's amazing how they're doing this well with all these. No, they should have enough depth to get through June. But they do need things to fall on their lap, which is why they're lucky with this schedule coming up in June. Or Cashman is lucky, potentially lucky. Because if you're the GM of the if you're Cashman, how do you sit there every night and you're not nervous? Like, I'd be sitting there, wow, I might be exposed again. Because who's to say Rizzo and his neck or even his back doesn't flare up? He's looked terrible since returning from the neck injury. Hitless in his last 15 at-bats. Who's to say Stanton doesn't sneeze and pull out his back? What if Torres goes down? What if Cole goes down? What if Severino is hurt with how he looks? You might have to make a deal soon. Find someone to make a deal. I'm not the GM. That's not my damn job. That's Cashman's. He made his bed. He's got to get out of it. St. Louis sucks. Check on Montgomery. I don't know. Grab a bat. Grab a reliever. Grab a starter. And then maybe some more. Because you got some things to fix. Call up Peraza if you have to. Because Lord knows DJ LeMayu is looking washed right now. Donaldson very likely washed as well. So this this is 1,000% Cashman's problem to fix if it does go awry here. I mean, the guy sat there in the winter and he did the unthinkable. He really did. It was almost impressive. Cashman went into 2023 knowing, knowing that all of his outfielders, Cabrera, Hicks, Stanton, Judge, Bader, were all either injury prone or fringe talent at best. And he still did not address the position. Not only that, but he did that with some pretty good talent out there. He let one of his outfielders from last year walk to Chicago for pennies. And then he let the guy I wanted, his top left field target, in my opinion, he let him prance right over to Boston also for pennies. That's his problem to fix. He really sat there on his hands and thought he could get by by going to Walmart and picking up Franchi Cordero, Cole Calhoun, Willie Calhoun. I mean, that's that's like trying to get fired right there. Meanwhile, Yoshida is batting 320 in Boston with like 20 strikeouts all season. And the kid Arias, who was also available, and I wanted him to play second base for the Yankees this year. He's batting over 400, and it's June 9th. So, they had chances to to fill up that lineup. They did. They now need, once again, at least one of each in a trade very soon. Not not in August, not even mid-July. Like, it should happen... They should be, we should at least be hearing some rumors about the Yankees calling people. 
Because if it starts to get bad, it's not. It's not. It's going to be ugly for Cashman. Um. Yeah, I mean they need a starter. They need a starting pitcher because that rotation's made of glass. They need at least one bat because of that same exact reason, uh, and they need at least one reliever because they're going to continue to rely on them so heavily. Um, but the Yankees, since Judge went on the DL, so far are two and two. Um, their lineup is not cutting it either. Four runs against the Dodgers in Game Three, two runs in the first game of this series, five runs yesterday, three runs last night. So three of those four games not really scoring a ton. So those guys that I mentioned will need to step up in his absence. The big three: Stanton, Rizzo, Torres. You can call it the big two and a half because Torres isn't exactly big. Um, but the big two and a half have gone one for forty-two so far without Judge in these four games. One for 42. That's a batting average of 24. (laughs) And I'm looking at Stanton specifically because he's the other big bopper in this lineup who we know has and can carry a team on his back when he's hot. He's the moneymaker. He's the guy making the bread. And he's always hurt. He's never there for the team in the summer. So if he wants to win some of these fans over again, Obviously, that has to happen in October, but you start doing it now so we can at least get to fucking October. Because there's no guarantee anymore. And we weren't third place on the verge of going in fourth. The bottom of the order has actually been the ones producing lately, believe it or not. Oswaldo, since he returned, has been pretty effective. Some RBIs, some clutch contact. Um, Calhoun keeps hitting. Bowers keeps hitting. The OPS is almost 900 for that kid. Um, the two catchers had themselves a nice series. They were four for nine together. Higgy and, and uh, Trevino. McKinney, Billy McKinney comes here. All of a sudden, plays both games yesterday, and he triples and hits a home run. <laughs> so those guys have been doing something so far, but it's on the three guys at the top of the order to get going. And if they don't get going, or if one of them gets hurt, then I think the Yankees are fucked. Because I don't trust the bottom of the order to keep hitting like that. I don't think that's sustainable. Um, I don't expect shit from Volpe anymore. I'm done hoping with that kid. I'm sorry. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen this year. Um, I mean, every time you think maybe Volpe has something going for him, every single time he does the same thing. He cools off. He has the big two-hit day in L.A., the home run late in the game. Since then, 0 for 6, no RBIs, 3 strikeouts. The at-bats have been terrible. Uh, and I also don't trust some of the fossils on this team, like LeMayu or Donaldson. I mean, DJ LeMayu, my goodness, is this guy washed. And I've been calling this one going on three years now. I mean, let's be real. I said it over and over since 2021. He looks washed. And I've, I keep hearing from people, oh, he must be hurt. He must be hurt. No, maybe he just sucks. Like, maybe he's just old and washed up at 35 years old soon. That happens. You don't have to be hurt. You're just old. It's like when Boone told everybody they were crazy for thinking that Josh Donaldson was washed at 38 years old. Like, guys get old. DJ's old. He's old, slow, has no bat speed, no pop left. He's a ground ball machine. He's become a K machine now. He's done. Over. Finished. It doesn't look good. He's batting 239. His OPS is now in the 600s. So, yes, the big three have got to step up. And it's possible but here's the difference. In the past, when Judge has been out, and he's been out in the past, four of seven seasons now, it's going to be where he's not played significant 
games. Um, in the past, when the Yankees have played without Judge, they've been able to handle it because they've had either division leads or they were right there in the division. But this time, I mean, I don't think we've been in a situation before where we're eight and a half back from first place, but also two and a half back from second place, Baltimore. So we've got, if the Yankees have some work to do, the Yankees have some work to do. My ask, remember, before this series, I said I want the Yankees to do 14 to 15 wins in these 23 games coming up from the Chicago series to the St. Louis series at the end of the month, bridging to July. That's the only way I see them gaining ground in the division at all, is to go 14 and, eight, oh, 14 and 9 or 15 and 8 during this stretch. 15 and 8 is probably the best way to get you some some ground on Baltimore. Start there. But they're off to a 1 and 2 start. So, if you want a positive, the one positive is that you can credit the pitching staff top to bottom for continuing to hold it down. Uh, and again, we keep checking up on the team numbers. Well, I looked again last night. It's June 9th and the Yankees are 5th in ERA. Uh, it's mainly been the bullpen. As expected, they are the number one in the game. Uh, now, King did have a minor setback, but he'll be fine. Gainley's been good so far in three outings. Um, I missed that changeup. Um, again, Marinaccio, speaking of changeups, he was filthy yesterday. Uh, Peralta's been great. Holmes has been good. The bullpen's been good, man. It's been elite. Uh, and in the rotation, you know, you got Cole. And you've been getting good outings for a little bit now from Domingo Herman and Clark Schmidt. Herman has been good most of the season. And Schmidt, um, you know, again, do I want him starting in October? No. But has he looked better? Yes. I will give him that. He's found something. Um, although his next start against Boston, they got a lot of lefties, so he's going to have to do some maneuvering. Um, see what Vasquez has for you. I like to see more of him. I want to see what you got there. Rodon, I don't know what's going on with him. They keep saying he's progressing, but he still hasn't really thrown in a legitimate game yet. Uh, and Nestor, I would say he's probably out August, maybe just after All-Star break. It's funny because they said one to two starts initially, and we all thought it was the Phantom DL stint. Um, but rotator cuff is, is not good. Um, but we'll see what happens. Boston is up next. That, that you got to try and sweep them. I mean, we're getting to a point where we need some sweeps. Sorry, 37-27 and 27 is not going to cut it in this division. This is not the AL Central. So you got a chance. Go look at the AL Central. The entire damn division is below 500. Um, yeah, you got to sweep Boston. They're not a good team. Listen, they faked it for a while, but as I told everybody, they would be a last-place team and under 500 in no time, and here we are. That's exactly what they are. And the Yankees, <clears throat> again, they got to be careful because... Not only are they in third, which is disgusting enough, but they're in danger of falling to fourth place now with Toronto suddenly one game back. I don't know how the fuck that happened. I don't know where that came from, but suddenly Toronto's right there. One game. My gosh. Uh, but I am excited for this Boston series, man. I always get up for Yankees-Boston. It's always got the playoff feel when I watch it, man. Um, regardless of how, you know, how much has died to some people. I always get up for it. I, I, I get excited for these series. Because I hate that city. Uh, and obviously it's big right now anyway. With where each team is in the American League East standings. So let's go man. Let's take care of them. We got to get this done. 
So that's it for this episode. We'll head to our final break, get back, and wrap this up with our NYY NYK MMA trivia question of the day. And that'll be that. Be right back in about a minute. Stay with us. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a production company that allows content creators of all genres to market their podcast or whatever project they're working on. It's an online platform that will promote your content no problem. All you have to do is get in touch with film director and podcast producer Leo Rodriguez from Say No More Podcast, and you're good to go. You can find him on Instagram at Studio69NJ, Studio69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ. Let's wrap this episode up with our trivia question of the day. Let's get to it. All right. So, for this episode, episode 531 of the podcast, I'm asking you, which former Yankee manager won over 2,000 games as a manager and recorded over 2,000 hits as a player? Which former Yankee manager won over 2,000 games as a manager and recorded over 2,000 hits as a player? Who is it? All right, so one final time. Which former Yankee manager won over 2,000 games as a manager and recorded over 2,000 hits as a player? All right, uh, if you want a hint, just a couple of days ago was the anniversary of when he accomplished that feat. Obviously, as a manager. Um, so that's it. Episode 531 in the books. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Episode 531 of BD4. I appreciate you stopping by and tuning into this show. I'll see you in 532 when we're talking Yankees Boston. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there. If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.